A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie. Tuesday morning, the 28th of November. Good morning with much debate and discussion from now till 11am. This is Michael Reid on LMFM. Fergus O'Dowd was a member of the Labour Party when he was first elected to public office. That was almost 50 years ago when he won a seat on Drogheda Town Council. Five years later, he was elected to the County Council where he held a seat up to as recently as 2003 when politicians had a dual mandate if elected and held seats in both Dáil Éireann and on a local authority. Fergus O'Dowd's first run in a general election was unsuccessful. That was back in 1977. He left Labour and joined Fine Gael in 1982 and was first elected to the Dáil in 2002. He's been a TD for more than 20 years, served as chair of Drogheda Town Council over three terms, chaired two Oireachtas committees and was a minister of state but today after almost 50 years of public life Fergus O'Dowd has announced his decision to retire from politics and that he will not be running in the next general election he's come into us uh, this morning and you're very welcome to the studio and thank, thank you, you. it's a great pleasure to be here thanks M- for having me on maybe you'd decide why you've come to this decision yeah well um, it's uh, I started off life as a teacher in St Oliver's um, it was a job I loved <laughs> God, I'm quite emotional yeah. about this. Yeah, okay. Um, one of the things I learned was, you know, how to help people, mm. and I felt that uh, I could do more as a mm. than a teacher, and I became a counsellor. And ever since, I just love my work. Yeah, uh, okay. And that's and, fifty and, years. Yeah. Next year, is something in my heart and my soul. Yeah, that's, that's you know what, what I, I'm, I've been working on radio for some time. That's the nicest <laughs> moment I've ever had on radio, and, sure. uh, and, I, and I, I don't mean that disrespectfully at no, all. Of but course, yeah. I, I think what you've done just there is demonstrate how important your work over the last fifty it years is. has been to you. Yes, uh, and I suppose speaking on the yeah. local radio station, it resonates <clears throat> all the more. It does, and the other point is, like, yeah. I mean, we've got to care about people. There's a lot of lonely people out there. When I started off, you had the milkman calling, you had the, the breadman calling, you have the postman calling. Now you see the postman. Lots of people live isolated lives in communities, and I really feel so much about mm. that. And I just care about people, Michael. It's, it might sound corny, and I know people give out a lot about politicians and we're this and that and the other, but I think the majority of us are honest, decent people. We work hard because we love our work. You know what we really love? I love, mm. I, I, we, and my staff, Andy, uh, obviously, and Susie and Geraldine, they're great people. 
and we have a very busy office and we're totally focused on helping yeah. people. The, the world was a different yeah. place 50 years ago, of course. It, it was, yeah. In many ways. Uh, I it mean, was, yeah. We didn't have mobile phones, let alone smartphones. And if you wanted somebody's number, you looked up the telephone book. <laughs> yeah, uh, younger did. listeners yeah. were asking, what's the telephone book? Yeah. <laughs> or you had your contacts book uh, and that sort of thing. I or had you had to press A and B on yeah, the yeah, phone yeah. machines. No, it's a different world. Mm. But the problems are the same. Uh, families need support. Communities need support. And I cut my teeth, obviously, mm. uh, around this area and Phineas Park and Balls, Government Mullen, particularly those estates. I knew all the, the children there. Uh, I knew the families and I still know them. And mm. it's been wonderful working with them. And I think, you know, you know, I just love I just love what I do. Obviously, I've been mm. doing it for 50 years uh, and I'm not, obviously, while well, I might be hanging up some of my boots, I yeah. still keep mm. my boxing toes on, Michael. <laughs> I'm sure. For, for, uh, yeah. Particularly yeah. for, you know, fighting for older yeah. people, fighting ageism, uh, still working on nursing homes, care of older people, you know, chasing down places mm. that are not good. And uh, a lot of people go into politics, uh, I think, very well-intentioned, but yep. come out disillusioned. <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that. Sorry about that. Yeah, Go ahead, Not at all. Talk, t- talking of smartphones, one just yeah. went off. But a lot of people go in very well intentioned, and they uh, and they come out of politics disillusioned. You're yeah. not doing that. You're no, I'm not at all. Yeah, you've been a very successful politician o- o- over fifty years. I mean, yeah. to stay in the business that long yeah. I- I- is uh, successful in, in itself. And I would imagine that one of the reasons, the main reason, is your love of it that you've just spoken about. Yeah. But what, what what else makes a politician successful? Well, I suppose it's it's listening. Listening is a hugely important skill, Michael. You do that all the time and you pick holes in a lot of things that people say like me. But it's, it is listening. It's understanding. When you meet somebody, you stop and you listen. You, you make sure you hear what they're saying. Mm. And the longer you listen to somebody, the more you understand how to deal with a problem. So the first thing is listen, understand the issue. What is the solution? Can you help? Can you assist or can you not? Mm. And be truthful. So if it is a person problem, a health problem, Mm. social welfare, whatever it is, and then Mm. if it's a community problem, what resources are needed? And then if it's a political problem, well, who can I go after in the administration to solve this problem? Mm. If it's a political problem in terms of minister, what are you doing about this, Minister? Mm. It's about holding people accountable, Michael. Okay. It's mm. about challenging them, mm. uh, you know, and, and not standing back. You know, it's just saying, look, why are you not doing this? And so on. So it's about, mm. it's about fighting for what people need and what you believe in as well. And keeping in touch with people's <coughs> needs and feelings. Very much. And if you mm. know that, then mm. you can't go wrong. I'd say, <coughs> you know, people can say all sorts of things about me, but they'll always hopefully be able to say that I listen and I'll do my best. And mm. that's all. They, uh, and is it a case of listening, no matter how repugnant somebody's <coughs> thoughts might be. Yes, yeah. uh, a modern day example being the far right uh, yes, and course, anti-immigrant yeah. sentiment and all of <coughs> yes, that. And yeah. I know that you'd be very opposed to that. But, but do you listen to people who feel that way? Well, Michael, I get... I, 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 don't, take, I don't take racism on board. I won't listen to it and I will call it out. <clears throat> but sometimes people, excuse me, <clears throat> they might be angry. You know, and they might say, well, look, Fergus, what about all these people coming into Drogheda? And I say, what about all the people mm. who are new in this town, who are working in the shops, who are working in the, in the, in the care homes, who are providing help in hospitals? So there's a, there's a direct link between helping people in the community and new people coming in to do that work. Mm. And I mean, you know, like Drogheda is, is a, a hugely growing town. It's got lots of new people and the vast majority of them are, are giving something to the town, in my belief. So, mm-hmm. uh, so I, I don't, I obviously, 
I'm, somebody might be angry and upset and you listen to them and you say, well, look, is it about a job? Is it about a house? You know, what, what's causing this mm. anger? And, you know, you can understand then where they're coming from. But unadulterated racism or fascism, no. OK, no, take me not. right back, if you would, because uh, I'm new in this town. I blew in about 20 years ago or something like that. Uh, and uh, I was reading your press release and I had no knowledge of how the Drogheda Grammar School was demolished sure, and, so you, had, yeah. and <laughs> you had it rebuilt. Uh, this, yeah. When was this, 1989? Uh, yeah, what happened was there was a Drogheda Grammar School. There were actually two buildings. Things, uh, side by side. One was the where the Lord Chief Justice, who was no doubt uh, not a very nice guy at the time, lived in it in about 1740, and there was this free school beside it. So there were two buildings. They were historic. They were unique and special. They were in the national mm. inventory of listed buildings. So developers bought these buildings and they wanted to develop them. And we opposed, I opposed, as did other people, their development without a future for those buildings because they were important historically mm. and architecturally. Uh, so what happened was <coughs> on a holiday, bank holiday weekend at four in the morning, they came in and they demolished them. Now we had been to the High Court. Eddie O'Doherty, Lord of Mercy, was a wonderful guy. And we got an order protecting those buildings from exactly what happened. But they went ahead. So nobody would act, Michael. There was the historic mm. building flattened, gone. And there was me and Eddie Authority standing at the site. The first thing we brought with us was a camera. And we photographed everybody that mm. was there, which was very important in the subsequent case. Cameras were very <laughs> different in 1989 <laughs> yeah. as well. Yeah. You had to go yeah. and get, you'd be hoping that yeah, they'd be developed properly. Yeah, yeah. But, but the point was we, we, we got certain people who were there. I won't say yeah. their names now. But, uh, and we, 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 when the legal case came up, we could prove that they were there as directors. Mm that they had knowledge and so on. Uh, and it was, uh, Mr. Bradley rang me at about half five in the morning. He was a dentist up in Lawrence and he said that the grammar school was being demolished. I said, so I went straight down. I rang Eddie O'Doherty. We both turned up. And when nobody else would act, when the council and the government and nobody did anything about it. We said, OK, we're going to do something about it. We got support of people like Ned McHugh, the Maura Corcoran from the Historic Society, Loud Archaeological Society. They gave us some funds to get a, a, a barrister. So we went to court. Uh, we got an order for the sh- sorting and sifting of the debris, that is, everything that was underground had to be sorted by hand. All the bricks that could be reused, there were handmade bricks, were to put to one side, all of the stonework, anything that could be reused in the building of that, we got an order for that. So the problem was then, that went on for about six months, and uh, then what happened was they, they, they said, we're not going to do any more work. So we went to court, we went to the High Court, we got an order for their imprisonment to be put in prison for refusing to obey the orders of the court with a stay on it if they continued now to do the work we wouldn't put them in jail. And that's exactly what we did. Yeah, mm. so that's a, an incredible story. It's an incredible it's story really, and it's yeah. true and it's a long time yeah, ago, but yeah. the fine at that time, Michael, the maximum fine was 10,000. Right. It was changed to one million bucks for okay. doing that. It never happened anywhere again. Yeah, I'm sure and then the planning system mm. took over and when you go up Lawrence Street, you have the two buildings there. You have the... the, the yeah, the, but where are they? Yeah, it's, it, it just, it, they're just literally opposite the old Franciscan church there. Right. Uh, so there's mm-hmm. the Dr. Clark's Free School, handmade bricks. The front is exactly the way it was. 
um, three, 250 yeah. years ago and then the other but Singleton House is there as well they're there very good they're there forever very good yeah. and that's a victory and I think oh. there'll be a lot of rubbernecking oh. today as people walk <laughs> by going my god that's the story figures it we out. put that yeah. there we yeah. made sure well, there was some battle that we yeah. had to put our yeah. 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 because we could have lost our court case and we were taking it mm. we could have lost our homes yeah. that's mm. the truth because the costs were enormous mm. because they had to do all that sifting by hand they'd employ people but we won our case mm. and we got our costs but it's no joke as you can say when you go through all that I'm sure enough yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we did it yeah. uh, Eddie Doherty you did it and your family are proud of you forever ok yeah. absolutely there yeah. were lots of issues yeah. of course over the years yep, uh, uh, um, Sellafield uh, yes big Sellafield issue. yes yeah. Yeah, we went mm. over there Pro- I was actually mm. invited to Sellafield I had a conference yeah. in Sellafield when I went over you there. took some stick about that did you I did yeah. they wouldn't yeah. let me in <laughs> <laughs> the interesting thing was I had the camera I had, I had uh, Channel 4 cameras with me yeah. and they said that let me in but not the cameras that's what the cameras have to come in too right, yeah. <laughs> so we got huge publicity excellent uh, and yeah. we got you know obviously there were serious issues we put them on the yeah we, we put them on the, uh, you know, that, that this was dealt with government mm. to government and there was a lot of, kicked up a lot of stink over it. Mm. Uh, so like, you know, the problem right. is that, you know, uh, no, we, we, we fought the battles we, we mm. thought we could win. We couldn't mm. win all of them. No, but we won some of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there were a, a lot of battles uh, that had to be fought sure. after there had already been a, a lot of blood literally on the table. If we go back to the beginning of the century, around the time that I started working on LMFM, uh, the northeast, uh, the hospital in Drogheda in particular, yes, yeah. was notorious uh, because of uh, the behaviour of Dr. Michael Neary, Dr. Yes, Michael Shine, yes, yeah. and symphysiotomies. Yes, and in fact, I was, I was just... Uh, Ambrose McLaughlin, who was a, a senior executive in the HSE at, or the health board at that time, he later became a, a secretary general of the Department of Health. I was talking with him yesterday on our texting, and he gave us very solid and good advice, and we listened to him. And I backed, I backed the HSE or the health board. I backed Ambrose, mm. and he made sure there was accountability and changes and it wasn't easy it wasn't easy I was actually sitting beside Dr Shine at a health board meeting when he was asked to leave you know and he was asked to leave in public view and he was told basically right. you know mm. and that happened I yeah. remember being there and there was you know it was a huge issue at the mm. time uh, it divided uh, I mean it, it did yeah, because, because all, three, they, all yeah. three stories divided yeah. people locally didn't it they did I mean yeah. there were protests and yeah. I never I never went on the protests about yeah. uh, Dr Neary uh, but I understand why people who would have, who would have went to him and had a, a good experience mm, yeah. obviously uh, felt that that they had to support him mm. but I didn't get involved in that I, I was on the other side and I think transparency and accountability people like Ambrose McLaughlin made very difficult, controversial decisions at the time, which were absolutely right. And he brought in from England a, a specialist to look at, at issues in relation to the, to, you know, the care and the treatment of these people. So I think Ambrose McLaughlin is a hero, absolutely. And he did a fantastic job. Mm. No, he was, he was a tough man. I was on the phone once yeah. to the HSC mm. and somebody says, Ambrose is on his rounds, he's on his rounds, watch out. <laughs> I said you're talking to Ferguson down here. <laughs> really? Well, he was uh, he was a, you know, if he if he ever, he's probably listening to this, but yeah, yeah, he's a wonderful yeah. man, okay, a, a fighter for right and for you know 
he mm. held he held he put to yeah. the sword those who who didn't uh, okay. didn't yeah. didn't do their job. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned <laughs> at the outset the dual mandate. At one time yes, you yeah. were both a, a councillor yeah. and a, a TD. Yeah, a, and that ended in two thousand and three. Yeah, uh, ultimately then Drogheda lost its borough council. Yes, it did. Yeah, uh, are, are those issues uh, that you regret today or uh, very, very much? That was a very bad decision. It was made by Phil Hogan, and obviously I was part of a government that made that decision. What I can say, Michael, is that I hope to produce, possibly in the next week, uh, we have a bill to make Drogheda City, which I will be publishing. It's at the final stages of preparation, so that will address one issue there. I've been speaking to, obviously, to to the Minister Concerned, <coughs> Both Minister Dar, mm. uh, Minister Dar Bryan met with some of the Drada City people, and he's you know I've, I've brought him up to date on what I'm actually doing. Yeah, Drada needs its own mayor. It needs a full time chief executive. It hasn't got it, and that is unacceptable to mm. me. And I will continue to fight that battle, Michael. But you are right; it was a wrong. It was a bad decision, and obviously I'm fighting to get it righted. Mm. And we have an election next year now, and obviously. I've been speaking to Kieran O'Donnell, the Minister for Local Government, about you know what needs to change. I'm not saying it's going to change straight away, no. but a vibrant, active uh, local government is, uh, was when we were on the council. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was everybody knew everybody. Everybody knew everything that was going on. Now we know nothing because it, 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 there's no focal point. There's no. There's no. There's nobody in Fair Street mm. that you can go to like you could do before, and that's what's wrong. Okay, some things never change, and I, sure. I remember when you were in opposition, and uh, the spokesperson on transport for Finnegale, uh, and the two main issues locally in terms of transport remain the two main issues today: the tolls and yeah. the trains. Yes, well, the mm. tolls. I I was one of the very few public reps who opposed the tolls, um, and I was one of the few people who went and made my objection at the but the the planning and at the legal hearings Uh, the trains we've dealt with in that um, I love saying this you will be aware Michael Mm -hmm. (laughs) the darts yeah yeah. but the good news is that there's there's new trains being built Mm. Uh, they should be I believe now it'll be January of 2025 Mm. the first start will be in Drogheda there'll be something like six starts an hour and the good news Michael is that I've been speaking to the National Transport Authority and the new fares um there to be announced shortly, mm. um, uh, probably in the next 10 days. Well, well that's a yeah. big thing. Yeah, that, that's a huge thing. That and capacity as yeah. well. And that, getting they, a they, there will be yeah. distance yeah. space, so yeah. there mm. will be convergence. So the distance you travel will compare to the price you paid. That doesn't happen at the moment. So that will be addressed uh, while mm. I'm still a TD. Okay, <laughs> so it'll be much cheaper. To Hopefully for Santa Claus. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. Oh, really? That quick? Yeah. Oh, it will be okay. very soon. Oh, okay. yeah, no, it's about mm. to be announced. Yeah. Okay. It was to be announced last Wednesday, but I don't know what happened I was told uh, it'll be later okay. this week or next. Will you stay with us for another few minutes? Of course, Michael. Okay. And we'll still come, oh, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. We'll come back uh, with more from Fergus O'Dowd right. after the break. Michael Reed on, on LMFM. Now we're back with uh, Fergus O'Dowd from the GLTD for Louth and Smith, who's uh, just announced his uh, decision to retire from politics and he will not be running in the next general election. I'm sure he'll be uh, talking to us many times in between now and when the next election 
is held. Uh, but uh, we're looking back on the 50 years of public life that you've served. That sounds like a sentence, but... Uh, does, you, yeah, that but, does. <laughs> but, but uh, you've enjoyed every moment of it. Every uh, day. Every day. Every day is a new yeah. day. Every day is a new challenge. Mm. The good thing is, like your radio and my political life, you never know what's going to happen at three o'clock this afternoon, yeah. mm. but you do know that you'll be interested in it and yeah. hopefully you'll have a part to play in sorting it. Uh, so. And it's not always easy. Uh, and the work, easy, the, yeah. the work you did on nursing homes uh, yep. was some of uh, the toughest work uh, <coughs> and was, some yeah. of the most productive in terms of getting results uh, after so. the yep. scandal uh, at Lee's Cross, yeah. if people remember Lee's Cross. Just yeah. remind us what was happening at Lee's Cross. Well, basically, Lee's Cross was a state-of-the-art building beautifully manicured lawns, lovely inside, but like people people died in there. Total neglect of nursing home residents. Yeah, and it's yeah. something that happened, not yeah. just there. Mm. So I, I was involved in that. I was involved, basically, Michael, uh, I got a call from a lady um, saying that her husband was in the local nursing home and that uh, the middle of winter and it was freezing, no heating. And I said, that couldn't be right, Jake. That's not true. She says it is. I said, I'd collect you in the car and we went straight out there. And it was true. So we got the help board in. At the time, within one hour, they were there because I kicked up hell. And uh, they made sure the heat went down. So then I said, well, what about this nursing home? You know, what else is going on here? And then the next question was, are there other places like this? So the first thing was freedom of information. Then I applied for the reports and I was refused them. And then I went to the commissioner and the commissioner then made available to me all the reports I wanted and to everybody else that they had to be put online. Mm. So if you have a relative at nursing home today, you go online, you can read all about it. That's, mm. that's what's good. So the good homes are there and the bad homes. So, so from there I said, right, OK. So I, I campaigned then. I, I, I obviously, I went after loads of homes that were appalling yeah. and I made mm. sure that they they were excoriated for what they did mm. and that brought about change and also then HICWA the problem was the HSE we call it the HSE was the help board they had a nursing home but they also inspected it and that was not right mm. so we got HICWA set up um, and yeah. in fairness an to independent Kenny, uh, he, he raised yeah. uh, he was dealing with the opposite he raised those issues with Bertie Hearn and we got those changes so mm. it was good but it's still going on today mm. I mean you had a lady called Emily raped multiple times in a nursing home home mm. in Dublin yeah. in the last year or so. Okay. So they're dirty issues that are still there that we have to expose, that we have to get answers for, that we have to have accountability. We have to have changed. One thing we do need is out of hours inspection. You know, Sunday nights, uh, holiday mornings, you know, what's the cover like? Mm. And one of the good things about new immigrants is that they're working in these homes. They're providing services mm -hmm. that are, would not otherwise be available. And I think people need to think about that as well, Michael. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And there's no doubt about it. Uh, we wouldn't be able to do a lot of things in this country, yeah. Uh, yeah. including buy a, a newspaper or yeah. uh, look after people in nursing homes or go to hospital or ourselves, Absolutely. as the Absolutely, case may yeah. be, without uh, all of our new neighbours in the country. The darkest period of all, though, uh, I, I think, uh, has been the feud in Drogheda, hasn't it? It has, yeah. Mm. It, has, it has been awful. Mm. And I mean, um, we all know who the families are, um, you know, and uh, it's been it's been tragic for the people who have died tragically and their families. It's been awful for their neighbours. It's been awful for everybody. And I think one of the things we did do 
was, uh, you know, make sure that the Gearn report was set up. And we all worked in this town, all the TDs, we all does. Obviously, Imelda Munster, Jed Nash, myself, there's been no difference between us on these issues. Uh, we got the Gearn report and this the last week they published that they've spent £16 million, uh, on improvements in the town, dealing with communities that have suffered getting more full-time people working in there, looking after the Red Door. Um, so, like, we've a lot more work to do there. 16 million is... We also have... The government decided that any application for Drogheda for funding would have to get priority for government departments. And that has happened. But one of the problems is that we need more applications from Loud County Council for different community and other projects. Monies that they did get wasn't spent. And you know that, and that's an issue for me. Uh, but but like you know, th- there has been significant improvement. Now, there is a problem, a serious problem. We had 16 community guardi, and now I think it's down to eight because some guardi have actually mm-hmm. resigned from the force and left. And it is not acceptable. And that's why there is, you know, criticism, and I've made it myself, that we need to tackle the reason why Gardaí are leaving. And uh, we need those community Gardaí. I believe that community Gardaí are like a good politician. Uh, they're on the ground. They know the people. They're able to get the resources. They're able to solve the issue. And if they also have, you know, they, they get huge respect you see, if a guardie goes by in a, a squad mm. car, you don't know who they are, who or she is. But if they're on the street, you'll get to know them. You'll get to, you know, they'll get to help you too. Yeah. And there's huge mm-hmm. work with the guardie here mm. locally. You know, they, they do fantastic work. And indeed, you know, like Christy Mankin is, you know, yeah. saying really, isn't he, for, for his determination, his guts and his mm. absolute mm. determination yeah. to put people away that should be and put very away. critical today of the stewardship of the forest we might talk about that in yeah, a, no problem, a, a, no. a yeah, second no. Uh, how many Fine Gael Tishy have you worked under three uh, well I think uh, well and the Kenny would have been one yeah. uh, John Bruton yeah, uh, yeah and, 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 and uh, uh, yeah. Uh, do you think the next T-shirt <laughs> will be a Fine Gael T-shirt do I yes uh, I, well I'll put you a different way mm. I, I think that public opinion is obviously it comes and it goes a bit like the tide yeah. and mm. you've got to you know the tide is out at 11 o'clock in the morning it comes back in at 6pm yeah. so it's up to us to do the job that we were elected to do. And we've done a lot of good things. Mm. There's a lot of things we haven't done well. And I think the people will judge all of them. But yes, I believe we will have. I believe Leo will okay. be back. Are you sure that the ship isn't sinking? And that, uh, <laughs> no, I, and uh, that along with yep. Brendan Griffin, John Paul Field and Richard Root and Charlie Flanagan, Michael Craig, John McHugh, David Stanton, Francis Fitzgerald and Deirdre Clune, you're one of the rats who are <laughs> jumping off. <laughs> That's one way of looking at it. The other way of looking at it is that every election people retire. In fact, uh, something like a third of the doll uh, resign, resign, mm. retire or defeated every mm. election. So I'm in the lucky position mm. that um, that I am retiring and not being kicked out of my ass. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, so I don't mean that as, mm. as, a, as a threat to myself. Yeah. But look, I'm making my own choices mm. and my choice is, you know, it's the time to go and you know, it's time for me to go okay. but, but I've enjoyed it and do I've got to keep working it would be ironic if it's the case but do you think that law and order uh, may work uh, against uh, Fine Gael's record on law and order may work uh, against your party going into the next I, I don't. I don't truthfully think so I think that if you look at Drogheda I said the monies that 
that has been mm. spent. And it's not just about I money. know, but if you listen yeah. to what Christy Mangan says about Trot, or, have to, to, or if you listen to what Christy Mangan says sure. uh, about the riots uh, and how we'll prepare the yeah. Gardaí were and yeah. so on, uh, 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 and how a lot of uh, the blame is lying at uh, not just the foot of uh, the Commissioner but that of Helen McEntee, the Minister yeah. as well. Well, can I deal with the Commissioner mm. first? I mean, Drew Harris has done hugely changed the force. He's made Gardaí accountable. He's made them, you, you know yourself, mm. the issues that have arisen. I think he's brought new, a new... A, a, a new ethics, or he's mm. strengthened a lot of but issues. He doesn't have the confidence of the force. And, well, I mean, these know, things happen. I mean, yeah. it's a bit like you know, I, 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 I have confidence in him, and yeah. I've confidence in, in in Helen. But obviously, if if we can do what's happening in Drogheda, in 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 the inner cities in Dublin, and the community safety partnerships right around the country, and if we invest appropriately and adequately in it, if we sharpen up our work on the national drug strategy, I think we can make those changes. Uh, I wouldn't dare criticise Christy Mangan at all, and I haven't heard his criticism. But whatever he said, you know, I, I, mm-hmm. he believes it. And I, it, but but the point is, the accountability is with the minister. She's accountable to the doll. She will be accountable today, tomorrow, and people can make up their own minds. But you know, we we've come through a lot of bad times in Ireland. Mm-hmm. We've come through all the violence, all the IRA campaigns. One of the things I did concentrate, or I'm concentrating on, is 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 Columba McFay, who's uh, 48 years buried in the unmarked grave, right? Mm-hmm. And I get so angry at that, that that the IRA disposed of his body. He can, it can never be found. It can't be found right now. And I don't think that never happened. You know, you can't call that nationalism. You can't call that uh, the right thing to do. It isn't. Mm. You know, these things make me very angry, the way mm. people have been abused and buried and murdered. Um, you know, it's just Jean McConville, 40 years in an unmarked grave. Mm. Imagine if that was your mum or dad. How would you feel about it, you know? So they're the things that make me angry. And, you know, I just, I leave it that way, Michael. If, sure. I get, if yeah. I'm talking at all, I'd yeah. say things mm. there. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and just to <clears throat> conclude, if we sure, can, yeah, of uh, course. you leave a, a, an empty seat. <laughs> it won't uh, be that uh, empty for long No, it won't be empty for long uh, but who's going to fill it? Is there a Fine Gael candidate to fill it or, or, or does it matter uh, uh, is the Fine Gael vote so strong uh, across County Louth that there will be a Fine Gael TD do you well, think or, or, or is that point. seat at risk? I, I think I think the, the, the polling numbers are sort of the last poll uh, sort of the, the, sorry, excuse me we have decimal 8 of a quota right, so we've 8 out of 10 of the votes that we need to get a seat so I believe it isn't at risk uh, Sinn Féin have 3.52 Labour have I think 0.4 um, and obviously of independence. So I believe we're well placed. The good news is, the good news is, Michael, that we have, uh, we're about to announce, one of the reasons I delayed my retirement, we're about to announce new candidates for Drogheda. And there will be, I hope, three new female candidates who will be uh, very well qualified. Uh, hopefully be if the 14th of December is the day of the convention. Nominations are the next week or so. So um, you'll have plenty yeah. of interviewing to do here. All right. <laughs> and it's clear you haven't retired yet. You've just announced the retirement and you've a lot of work to do, I'm sure, uh, on the 14th of December, thereafter and until the next general election. Sure. Great for you to have come in to us uh, this morning thank and you, thank Michael. you for Great doing honor that. Great to be here <laughs> and for us to get on so well. <laughs> it's unusual. <laughs> it is. All right. Thank you thank indeed. Fine Gael TD for Loud and East Meath. Fair good so dad. 
Michael Reed on LMFM. A number of messages coming to us about Fergusa O'Dowd's uh, career in politics and you're welcome if you wish to make contact with us to make uh, tribute or to pay tribute or otherwise as the case may be. Stephen Andrade in touch with us. He says he was one of Fergus O'Dowd's students uh, especially in the history class. Uh, I think uh, perhaps it was a bit of a history lesson here this morning Stephen looking back over the career of Fergus O'Dowd. He says he voted for Fergus over the years and he wants to wish him the best of luck as I say that's a former student of Fergus O'Dowd in Drogheda and thanks Stephen for making touch or uh, making contact with us uh, somebody else saying will you ask Fergus will you get the driving test centre back uh, another text from Tom saying Michael while I wish Fergus well he said the word accountability that gave me a laugh my point is politicians are overpaid by 50% career politicians are a costly problem enjoyed the pension Fergus it's on the back of a, a, a lot of misery says Tom very cynical altogether I have to say uh, but Uh, you're entitled to your opinion and we're delighted to hear it if you wish to share it with us Uh, somebody else Tom uh, says uh, didn't Fergus uh, vote to get rid of our local council himself and Nash well I think that's exactly what Fergus O'Dowd said uh, that it was a decision made by Phil Hogan who was the Minister for Local Government at the time and both he and Jed Nash voted in favour with it although they were uh, opposed to abolishing the Borough Council at the time and that that is the nature of the party whip uh, and indeed politics uh, in this country to a large degree. But yes, you're right, uh, Tom. Uh, there is no doubt that Fergus O'Dowd did vote to abolish the Drogheda Borough Council. June in our day in touch too, saying, Michael, we will miss Fergus when he retires. He's a very caring person, wishing him well in the future. Thank you, June in our day for your text to the programme this morning. Now to some other issues uh, that people are in touch with us about. We would Pat in Drum Conrath texting us uh, this morning saying Israel and Jewish people may not understand how we use English language and ditto for us. When someone dies in Ireland, we say sorry for your loss to the bereaved when they have lost a loved one. It's said compassionately that way for the bereaved and avoids useful, painful words like death or died or dying. The word lost is also used for souls lost at sea or killed in action during wars. It is a way of recognising the great loss for the family who have nobody returned to them to bury and no grave to put flowers on. What Leo Vradker was saying uh, was we had thought Emily was lost, which meant we had thought Emily was dead. Thank God she's returned to her loved ones and I pray for the return of all of the other hostages to their families. We cannot begin to imagine what they are suffering and praying for peace is Pat in Drum Conrath. Thanks very much, Pat, uh, for your text message to the programme today as well. Now, if you'd like to make comment on the programme today, uh, as always, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can get in touch with us uh, on the usual numbers or email michael at lmfm.ie. Michael Reed on LMFM. Now, bus are to meet with uh, people in County Meath who are concerned uh, about services. Let's speak uh, to local AIM2 councillor Emer Tobin, who can tell us more about this. And a very good morning to you, and thank you indeed for joining us on uh, the programme uh, this morning. They're coming uh, to Navin, is it, on Wednesday? That's right, Michael, and, and thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to highlight this meeting. 
Um, yeah, this is a we've been looking for this meeting, gosh, since September. Now they did, in fairness to them, commit to meeting with service users, but it just became a little bit more difficult to agree on a date um, because we we managed uh, back in we sorry we yeah. managed back in September to get an extra two services included in the peak hours in the morning and in the evening. So there was a request from Bus Aaron that we wait and see how those two extra or those four extra services bed down and see would it improve situation for service users. And um, you'd be familiar from certainly a lot of uh, complaints from the public and from various, you know, commentary online that so many commuters from Navin were experiencing real, real difficulties in their commute in terms of, you know, full buses arriving at bus stops um, and then people having to wait a set for a second or a third bus. And then obviously there'd be a large gathering of, of commuters waiting and in turn, that would lead to people trying to get onto a bus before other people and just added to the whole horrible stress of doing the commute. And people just would arrive to work late. And, um, you know, just just the, the dreadful situation of not knowing when people would be able to get to work on time. And uh, as I say, both Aaron did manage to get four extra services added on but really and truly it's still not meeting the demands for for capacity yeah well Um, it seems as though they don't have uh, the capability of providing a reliable bus service well they're not recognizing the level of demand on the ground that that's the first problem and secondly they're reacting far too slowly to deal with this the third issue then is they're having the same buses start from the same starting points knowing that they're literally full before they get to, say, the fourth bus stop in Navan. So, for example, an awful lot of people in Johnstown commute to Dublin. And by the time buses would, would arrive to their bus stop from Abbey Road, they'd be full. So, for some reason, this is not necessarily a bus errand issue, it's yeah. more an NTA issue. They decide that full buses still need to go past every bus stop in Navan and out further on, on the route. And it really, really makes no sense. So, you know... Just explain that to me. It's a NTA, a National Transport Authority issue rather than a bus errand issue. It would, because they decide... They they would decide how routes operate. Bus errand just provides the service. But my point would be that because Bus Aaron is at the coalface of service provision, they should be bringing all this information to the NTA. I mean, certainly I would bring weekly reports myself to the NTA about, you know, where there are problems and where we can provide solutions. Yeah. And if, if you know, Bus Aaron does their job also, because mm. as I say, they're at the coalface of, of this service, that between all the information feeding in from commuters and then local politicians and from bus air and the service providers themselves, mm. the NTA should get a very good handle on what's working and what's not working and so, put in the measures to so, fix it. So, so, so should you not be bringing the NTA uh, to now well, rather than bus air? Because, because bus air yeah. undoubtedly are going to say our hands are tied. Uh, there's nothing we can do based on what you're saying. 
Well, there's certainly a, a sense that both um, both organisations should be at the table, and I have asked the NTA to, to come to this meeting. Um, the, the, the best offering I got from them was, well, we can't go out and meet everybody. We can't do this. We can't do that. If we mm. have to do our job, we need to stay in the office and do it. Now, look, I'm not happy with that. They said they provide me with a report um, on, the, on, on the whole efficiency or inefficiencies yep. of the service. I've yet to... Re- to receive that report. Um, but, you believe, but, but your belief is that Bus Erin can provide uh, reliable bus service. Uh, it's just uh, being hampered by NTA, is it? Well, I wouldn't absolve Bus Erin to that extent from their, um, their duty to carry out an efficient service. Firstly, because as I say, if they provide, if they get the, the if they win the contract mm. to provide this service. And if they feel they can't, well, then they should go back to the NTA, sit down and have a meeting and go, how yeah. can we do this better? I think because a lot of people will be very surprised to hear what you're saying. I mean, Bus Aaron, I, I think, blame it on uh, problems in recruiting drivers and mechanics uh, and that at times they can't provide buses. But as you say, people are left waiting at bus stops and nobody is telling them the bus isn't going to come uh, and there is no information. They're late for work. They're late for hospital appointments they're late for whatever it is uh, they have to do uh, and they're very uh, annoyed and would put the blame firmly at Bus Aaron's uh, footstep. Well look, there's no doubt we've all heard the various reasons in terms of they can't get enough bus drivers, they can't get enough bus mechanics and traffic issue, you know, is, is huge in Dublin which in turn leads to delays. But from... Late August, um, Michael, when I first kind of got him, uh, you know, got him um, contact uh, when all mm. the, the service users in NAV and, and, and further out in Kells. Con- Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. 
That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Contacted us. You know, the level of cancellations of service was literally through the roof. There was mm. one day where there was 12 NX services. That's right. From mm. Navin to mm. Dublin, Dublin back to Navin mm. were cancelled. Why? Now, there's also services from Red Coast to why? Dublin. And how long were people left standing in the rain and the cold? Uh, and why? Was... Absolutely. But yeah. why? Yeah. I, I mean, I, but are, are you serious? Well, I can uh, list other reasons, yeah. Michael, for you. Like, but Aaron will come back and say um, they're, they're, they're literally going out to Europe now trying to recruit bus drivers, mm. okay? Um, they can't use regular mechanics to fix buses. They have to get specialist bus mechanics. It takes time to try and to train them up and bring them up to speed. There's a 12-week uh, period to train up a bus driver, but then there's the issue of waiting for driving tests for bus drivers. So there just seems to be so many inefficiencies mm. and blockages across but, uh, the system. All, all of those things are excuses. Uh, people want solutions. Uh, I mean, They are excuses. Yeah. Pre- proper forward planning. We have a census. We know the figures year on year coming on stream, going to college in first year in September. But you know what? Every single September in Mead, we have commuters facing the same wall of problems because there doesn't seem to be an awareness of planning for the extra capacity that's going to come on board. And, and, and this is what happened this September. There mm. was just incredible hardship facing commuters because there could be there could but, be three or four buses going by them but why before not, they but, actually get on the fifth bus to bring them to work. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, it, it, I know there's so many problems, and it seems and like there's 200 how, buses how lying empty to, up in RD. Apparently, uh, brand new buses that are are, are lying empty. Um, uh, and have never been used, not, never on the road. Uh, but they may not have have bus drivers to drive them. And then there's also issues. But how, diffi- how difficult is it to, to, to employ bus drivers? Well, they, 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 if you talk to the people who are half considering taking the job, they will say that the terms and conditions aren't enough. Okay. But if you look at the private operators, Michael, mm. they seem to be able to hold on to their exactly. drivers. Yeah. They seem mm. to be able to run a very yeah. efficient service. Mm. And then when we look to the public service to do the same, we have complete um, okay. inefficiencies. Mm. Yeah. So, so uh, it, it is like everything else you know, in, in Ireland in terms of public versus private. There doesn't seem to be the same level of efficiencies and there is a, a, you know, a catalogue mm. of excuses the whole time why they can't provide this for the public user, they can't provide mm. that, and if it is the, it is the commuter that is, is suffering in Mead. It's an awful ordeal having to do this commute with an efficient mm. service yeah. well, at your disposal. But when you have to deal with every single day, not knowing if you're going to get the third bus or the fourth bus, mm. if you're going to be a half an hour late or but 15 minutes. Is it any wonder that a few people want to be bus drivers? We look at the riots in Dublin last Thursday, there's similar behaviour on buses in Navin all of the time. Uh, who'd want a job like that? It's true. It's true. It it, it it has become less attractive with with you know certain um, spikes in antisocial behaviour. But in general, Michael, thankfully, you know these are we we won't say completely random, but they're not the norm. 
And the problem really in, in recruiting people to this profession is they just don't pay them um, well enough. And they are not going to get these public services up to a standard unless they do that. And they can, you know, there, there's just no point mm. saying we can't get them. They can if they wanted to put in the, the correct T's and C's. And at the moment, that's not happening. And, and then as a result, we have a huge number of services cancelled every single day across this entire county. Mm. And you know yourself, Michael, we are not looking at a train rolling into Navan until 2036. So the, the, the awful thing about this is that there is no quick fix and there is no solution being offered by the NTA or by uh, Bus Erin. But at the same time, we can't but... Uh, keep the, the pressure on to okay, get but, a, a fit for uh, well, uh, Maybe that's where we should conclude, Emer, because you're here to invite people if uh, they wish to meet with Bus Aaron. This will be a, a public meeting. Uh, give people the details there because uh, a lot of people are very annoyed with uh, the standard of the service. Um, well, look, meeting is going to play, take place tomorrow, Wednesday evening, 7.30 in the AIM2 office at uh, Market Square in Navan. Um, we're it's a one-hour meeting. I encourage people to come uh, sharp. Um, we like to keep these meetings efficient to the point and um, see what Bus Aaron has to offer in terms of giving some commitment to a, to a better service. They've had eight weeks to see how the four extra services bed it down. They should be able to see from all their um, reporting and metrics uh, if it's anywhere near uh, reaching uh, meeting capacity. We don't think it is. Certainly from the volume of complaints still coming in, the volume of uh, services that are, are being cancelled, there is far more work to be done in this area. And I'm hoping that the three representatives coming down from Bus Erin tomorrow evening to Navin will have all their, their homework done on this and, and to give the commuters something to hope for in the, in, in, the, in, the, in the short term. Because really and truly, it is not tenable to expect people to do this really tough commute. We're talking some commuters are doing three and a half hours every single day for a 50-kilometre trip up to Dublin uh, and 50 home. You know, 100k is taking people three and a half hours out of their yeah. life every yeah, single sure. day. It's, it's, it's torture. It really is torture. Mm, yeah, I don't know. It's like the dark ages uh, in this day and age, how you can't have a reliable bus service is beyond me. But as you say, people can uh, meet with Bus Air and with you at the AIM2 office. And have tomorrow, their say. Okay, thank 100%. you very much. Great. Lovely. Thank, thank you. you. That's Emer Tobin, AIM2 councillor on Meath County Council. Some comments, uh, speaking of uh, the riots in Dublin and uh, that type of behaviour. Sean in Dublin 9 says the government blames social media for spreading false information. What about the government itself spreading falsehoods, i.e. saying Dublin is safe, saying the children's hospital would open in 2021, saying that they would reduce homeless figures and I could go on and on. I think you could, Sean, in fairness. He also says the government are experts in floating fake news to suit themselves. Thank you for that, Sean in Dublin Nine. Thanks as well to Margaret who's been texting us to say I wish Fergus all the best. Uh, a great man for the people. Always did his best. Thank you for that. Uh, another text from somebody who says, well Michael, it's very long hours for a bus driver. 12 hours a day while drivers suffer the amount of abuse day in, day out. People are on a daily basis, very rude to drivers, and I travel on the bus every day. It's a managerial problem as the drivers are worked to the limit. Are they really driving for 12 hours a day? 
I find that hard. Is that true? I don't. Uh, maybe we could call Bus Air and ask if the drivers drive for twelve hours. A day. I'd fall asleep if I was driving for twelve hours. I just wouldn't be able to do that. I know that I would fall asleep at the wheel if I was asked to drive uh, any vehicle for twelve hours a day. I don't know. Maybe it's me. Maybe um, that's okay. Uh, I'm surprised if that's true. Uh, we'll uh, check on that, uh, or if uh, you know yourself listening to us. Please let us know, or if you want to make a comment, or if there's something you want to raise with us, our phone number 0419832000, text or WhatsApp 086 658, email michael at lmfm.ie. Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. I don't know if you watched uh, the documentary on RTE One Television last night. Patrick, a young traveller lost. The president of Ireland, Michael D. Higgins, feels it would be very valuable if everybody in the country watched this film. Uh, he says it describes a life lost to bullying, an incredibly talented boy interested in all aspects of life and full of curiosity. Within one year, though, his life was destroyed and uh, the president uh, paid uh, tribute to Patrick McDonough's parents, Michelle and Pat, and also to Bernie Parr, a traveller outreach worker from Kilkenny, saying he was moved in a way that he finds difficult to describe listening to what they had to say on the programme. It was a a programme that really highlighted a relationship, a very fraught relationship uh, between the settled and uh, traveller communities in this country, one whereby travellers feel inferior. uh, And as a result of that, we have one of the highest rates of suicide Uh, Amongst uh, the traveller community, it's six times higher than that of the general population. Eileen Flynn is an independent senator. She joins us now. Good morning to you, Eileen. Thanks, as always, for joining us on the programme. If people did see the documentary, they would have seen you feature in it as well uh, and speak about uh, the racism and discrimination uh, that travellers in this country feel on a daily basis. It's a very, very real problem, isn't it? Yes, uh, Michael, thank you for having me on the show this morning to uh, talk about the very important issue of uh, suicide and the mental health crisis within um, the traveller community, which we believe as uh, travellers that is um, the root cause to it is rejection, is racism, is discrimination, is hatefulness within um, Irish society and it's not about blaming white uh, settled people really it's about looking at legislation looking at policies that put in place that kept us down as a community of, uh, of, of people as I said last night in the show uh, and the show is that many uh, traveller children have dreams they want to go on and be uh, um, be firefighters um, um, police you know, like any other child of the age of four, five years of age, and young traveller children should be given that equality of opportunities, just like any other children within uh, Irish society. But denied it in so many ways. I heard somebody in the programme last night speak about a look that only a traveller would know, that only a traveller would have seen, and only a traveller would understand uh, in terms of what it meant, which is that they are inferior for some reason. Yes, 
and and I and again, a lot of it is down to the lack of education and not understanding uh, the traveller community. You know, like obviously the traveller community was recognised as an ethnic minority group in uh, um, 2017, but that was just a tokenistic uh, uh, gesture. And I'm on today around uh, the political points. You know, while it's very uh, like you know thinking about uh, Patrick's mother and uh, father, I could not imagine the pain that those that that family is going through right now. And we see that it wasn't just put on for the show, that Patrick was a very, very loved young child. That met his confirmation the week before he took his own life. He was in the park that day that he took his own life with his mother and father. And that if, the doc- if this documentary didn't capture the hearts of the Irish nation, I honest to God don't know what will, you know, to show that traveller children are treated less and seen as less within Irish society today um, uh, in 2023. And for me, as I said, the political points around implementation, Michael, you know, the, the Traveller uh, Committee was set up in uh, 2018 and that committee, like I was part of, I'm the chairperson of it even today, that committee is to um, bring about a change. We have 84 recommendations and in the recommendations, obviously, is mental health, the ring, uh, the ring fence budget around traveller mental health, having traveller mental health strategy, the implementing the, the, the promise that was uh, told to the all of Ireland in, a, in a, um, 2020 when the government was formed in uh, February 2020 that they would implement and uh, a, a national strategy around traveller mental health. they done nothing of the sort and it's nowhere in sight for them to be able to do that. I hope that Mary, Button, uh, Mary Butler and other um, politicians watched that show last night mm. and that they're really passionate uh, around the political will because what we're missing in Ireland right now is that political will of implementation for mental health in general. I say on the Disability Committee, the Education Committee and it's mental health services for all young um, girls uh, like we're actually the highest one of the highest in Europe to, for young women dying by suicide at the age of 19, 18 years of age and mm. that also includes uh, members of the traveller community as well our mental health services mm. uh, in this country, I don't believe no, no fault to the workers that's trying their best, I don't believe they're fit for purpose, that they're meeting the needs of the demand that's there today because, you know, going back 15, 20 years ago, people never spoke about mental health, it was, mm. it was always that shame that came with it and it's only like, you know, I remember growing up and um, when people would talk about mental health, they'd say, oh, uh, you know, uh, call people like the stereotype and uh, someone is a psychopath, somebody is, uh, uh, say, uh, suffering with their nerves, and it's all, uh, it was all taboo. Nowadays, people are open uh, to getting support for mental health, but unfortunately, the services are, are, are not there, and they're not, the ones that are there is not fit for purpose. And I've spoke mm. at a personal level with a, a same members of my own family going through addiction um, and, and that's throughout all, all communities in Ireland, uh, you know, but addiction has gone through the roof, uh, poverty is still very much alive today uh, there's so much root causes, I believe, to uh, mental health uh, crisis within, uh, within, uh, within Ireland yeah. 
Yeah, well, I, I mentioned the suicide rate being six times higher than it is in the general population. That was the finding of Nest Three Solutions report, which was commissioned yeah. by the Travers Groups in Clondalkin and Intala and in Ballyfermot as well, uh, where you're obviously from, <coughs> Eileen. And while drugs, alcohol, depression, poverty, and financial pressures are identified as key causes of society of suicide, uh, there's a consistent reference they said to daily experiences. Of of discrimination that have an impact on mental health. And this goes back uh, to 1963, does it? And state racism uh, that started off uh, by way of a report, uh, the Commission on Itinerancy Report, uh, which uh, wouldn't refer to travellers as travellers, started off by insulting travellers, describing uh, the community as uh, itinerants. Itinerants and uh, tinkers. Uh, within within that report, like if you were to uh, take an hour, say for the next uh, uh, few days, an hour a day to read that report, it's very, very uh, striking. Uh, you know, mm. really trying to make travellers, fake set people, talk about travellers being unwashed and unclean, yeah. like that interrogation of, uh, of of members of the traveller community. You know, Michael, go, like I can remember, I'm 34 years of age, I can remember every single traveller on the island uh, that has to go to Thomas Street, to Castle Street, um, to get their uh, social welfare. And that was surrogation, and that wasn't very long ago. I remember, uh, and the Houghton site in Valley Farm, I remember a nurse and a doctor used to come into Library Park, Houghton site. And uh, that doctor, like, you couldn't go and see a GP, uh, th- th- say, like, a GP mm. that was for everybody. You were allocated a GP because you were a member of the traveller community yeah. that command to the site uh, every, um, every few weeks. And everybody mm. would know your business. And, like, I know things are changing, but things are not changing yeah. to meet the needs of uh, of the community and as uh, Bernie said last night you know a lot of people and a lot of your listeners may be saying you know Osher, it's their own fault like a 12 year old child taking his own life that was not his fault yeah no of course it wasn't uh, and you know uh, nobody could have foreseen it uh, uh, yeah. uh, uh, it was very clear um, what you... it is like I could I could sit here till tomorrow and tell you stories of uh, young people within our community who died by suicide. A very good friend of mine died last um, last July by suicide. Young men that I was born and reared with, uh, ha- a- a- like the least freedom, has passed away uh, by uh, by uh, suicide. You know, and and like I'm so lucky to be here. And like I see it, Michael. I see it within my own family. Like you know, uh, I I was in the one household of one of my members of my family who has died. And you see that, like, and here I am in the Shannon, and there were no equality of opportunity for him, you know, and there's only literally, uh, like, four years between us. And uh, people would say, oh, sure, it's his own fault. But it, 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 it's that rejection. It's, even if you have a good CV, even, even if you did up the CV best to your ability and you put it, you sent it into a place, you know, you're being rejected. Nowadays, mm. you don't have to have your address. But, you know, you go into a place, people know by the look of you, they're not stupid. You know by, by your accent, if you're a member mm. of the traveller mm. community or not. So people would say, what does a traveller look like? Let, let's not uh, hide it. Like, a lot of people know what a member of the, who, like, 
a traveller person uh, looks looks like. And my message really to young travellers today, if any of them are listening to, to your show, because like the general population, we have diversity within our community too. There's no right or wrong way to be a member of the traveller community. You're born into it. And, you know, like even for me, my own experience, it took me right up to 25 years of age before I really accepted myself for who I was. And that was being a member of the traveller community because mm. the shame, the stigma that goes with that and the you know, even 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 in school, like my school experience was was, was okay, wasn't as bad as I like the stories that I that I hear. But however, saying that, I was caught in Ackerson school. I, you know, that kind of way. And like more than once I acted out in that. I was suspended eight times, uh, nearly being expelled, like not getting back into school again. And, you know, I went to school really to to get out of the house, to give me something to do uh, during the day. Uh, It was something that never really interested me was, was, was school. But I had a few people that believed in me. And that's what we need. We need, we need teachers educators that will believe in young travellers and not just to uh, be stereotypical um, to uh, young travellers and thinking uh, they're just going to go off and get married and that's their culture. Uh, A load of excuses like we're seeing now the reduced timetables. There was a report done around eight weeks ago that showed that 12% 12% of travellers in secondary school are on reduced timetables. And now these are not just statistics. 24% in special, uh, special additional needs schools are on uh, reduced timetables. And 4% in in, uh, in, in in primary school. Now, thankfully, the minister got back to me late last week and I have an, um, a meeting with uh, Minister Foley on the 15th of December to discuss this report. But again, this report is going on... Uh, um, uh, nine weeks, you know, and I could only get the meeting water on the 15th of, of of December. We really need the political will to be able to change and to make travellers' lives even e- just easier, mm. you know, where children do have that equality of opportunities. Mm. Well, it is all about equality, making lives easier and making sure that people live to their full potential for as long as yeah. they're intended to be on the earth, I suppose, Eileen. Yeah. Listen, thank you indeed uh, for joining us on the programme. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. I should mention to people too uh, as well uh, that if uh, they would like to speak to somebody about suicidal ideation, suicidal thoughts, or if uh, they're just feeling down, you can contact Pieta House on one eight hundred twenty four seven two four seven or the Samaritans on one one six one two three. And our thanks uh, this morning to Independent Senator Eileen Flynn. Michael Reed on LMFM. We throw too much stuff out. That's the message from the Environmental Protection Agency. The amount of waste that we generate continues to grow, but the amount of stuff that we recycle is stagnating. And as a result of that, the EPA is saying that we're off track to meet what are mandatory EU recycling targets for municipal plastic packaging and total packaging by 2025. What does that mean? Well, let's find out. Celine Horner is a senior scientific officer with the EPA. And a very good morning to you, Celine. Thanks for joining us on the programme this morning. Before we talk about how that may be rectified, if it's possible to rectify that situation, what does it mean come 2025 if we don't mean these targets? Will this result in fines for Ireland? Yeah, I mean, it's 
does result in fines, but it also means that, you know, we're not achieving what we want. What Ireland wants is to become a circular economy that, you know, extracts material from the earth, uses it as many times as possible, and then recycles and reuses as much as possible. But what we actually are is a linear economy, and that's not only going to mean we miss targets, it means that we're having a bigger impact on our environment than we want to have. We, um, we know that most people in Ireland are concerned about the environment and want to take action for it. So we want better waste management so that we limit our impact on the environment in terms of the emissions that are generated and that we make better use of our, our resources. But yeah, we will face fines if we don't um, increase our recycling to meet the targets. And one of the best ways to do that is to actually reduce the amount of waste we're generating. So at the moment, the amount of waste we're generating is growing much faster than the amount of waste we're recycling. We are increasing the amount of recycling that we're doing, but it's just being kind of washed away by the amount of mm. waste that's generated. So that percentage, we can't, we're not really making the, the, the gains that we should be in the recycling, you know. Is this something for ordinary people to think about and act on? Or is it really a question of big business performing better? Yeah, I mean, there's a role everyone can play. And I think we've spent long enough, uh, I suppose, talking about what individuals can do. We all know we should use our three bins, uh, segregate our material properly. And that is really important. You know, even the mucky bits of food in your bin can be, if they're put into the brown bin, they will go for composting and turn into a soil conditioner or generate energy through anaerobic digestion. So there's something for everybody to do. Mm. So make sure you have your brown bin, make sure you have your three bins and use them properly. Well, some, information. That's, that's if you can get a brown bin. A lot of people can't get a brown it bin. Is, yeah. It is now mm. law that everybody can get one. So they oh, need is to get it? Onto okay. their, it mm. is, yeah. So everybody needs to get onto their their waste um, operator and ask for one. Mm, well, um, now, there's also plenty to be done on the policy and you know, government side. We've seen improvements in bans for single-use plastics. Mm. And we've seen, I think what's interesting is there's a, there's a requirement to have recycled PET plastic in plastic, new plastic bottles that are made now. That's the clear plastic that, say, your, your Coke or Fizzy mm. Orange comes in. That's a high-quality plastic. And there's more of that being demanded because there's now a requirement to have recycled content in the new bottles that are made. So we can see that, you know, putting a demand on it affects the market and improves recycling rates. Yeah. So we need to see more requirements for uh, And there will be a deposit content. on those uh, bottles. I didn't know that you could get a, a brown bin uh, because I don't have a brown bin, uh, but we do uh, compost uh, everything at home. The result of, of that, uh, I've bored our listeners with it a million times over, is that we put our black bin out probably twice a year. Uh, that it's results it, yeah. in an awful lot of saving uh, on the bins. We save a lot of money uh, on that. And then we also save on uh, a, a lot of money on compost uh, because we get all of that rubbish and we produce this lovely stuff to put into lovely our garden. Stuff, yeah, yeah. But perfect. That's, mm. that's exactly it. Now, I think some people might find, you know, putting cooked meat and stuff in there might mm. cause a problem. So they may want to use a brown bin for that. So from July of this year, all businesses... Mm have to have a brown bin and by the end of this year which is just around the corner all households have to have a brown bin so mm. your waste operator has to give you one now if mm. that's that's law and there'll be a so deposit you, there'll be a deposit on, on the plastic bottles that you were talking about but um wasn't it a, a huge mistake to take a, a, away uh the uh, facilities at um the recycling banks um where you can go with your bottles and that sort of thing Oh, hello, Celine. Hmm, seems like the line dropped out and it's there. 
Uh, I'm really not sure what happened to the line. <laughs> we'll uh, try to get Celine back on the line. But that's a, a point that many people listening to the programme have made with us over, I don't know, I suppose it's a period probably about three years now when uh, the bottle banks uh, removed uh, the banks for plastic bottles, uh, which I think a lot of people used. You'd have to uh, assume a lot of people used them because they were quite often full. Uh, I think we actually have uh, Celine back on the line. This is uh, Celine Horner from the EPA. Apologies to you, Celine. I'm not sure what happened uh, to uh, the I'm line. I'm on a landline, so I thought that would be safe. Absolutely, yeah. No, my as I say, apologies. I'm not sure what happened, uh, but thanks for coming back to us. I, I was asking you about the bottle banks and uh, the banks for plastic bottles. I take it out about three years ago or so. A lot of people very upset about that, and uh, they would have been full of empty plastic bottles to be recycled any time you went to the bottle bank uh, 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 why where they take it out uh, nobody seems to be able to answer that uh, and it would have seemed to be very short-sighted so you're saying there was there was bottle banks for plastic bottles yes so, mm. yeah i'm not sure that may have been a local decision um to do that I'm not sure why okay, that happened. Sure, sure. I, I think it, I I think it was a national issue. Yeah, now, I think, or, or yeah, I think it was a national issue, but 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 not to worry. I don't, I don't mean to put you on the spot with that. You're here to ask people to find a place for their plastic bottles, uh, and of course you can do that in your green bin. Uh, uh, and yeah, it's the same with everything in your house. Yeah. Yeah, your green. All of your plastics can go into your green bin once they're clean, dry, and loose. Even you know wrappers and stuff like that. That was a change that came in in 2021 to put all of your plastics into the green bin. Mm. It used to be just rigid plastics, but now it's all plastics. Can but go into the green what bin. happens to that then? Because you're concerned about how we export a lot of that. Well, I think in our press release today, we're concerned about the amount of residual waste that gets uh, exported. And the reason for that is that Ireland really should be able to cope with the amount of waste it's it's generating itself. But we find ourselves exporting 400,000 tonnes of waste every year to incinerators in Europe. So we're kind of paying them to take the waste and then they're generating energy Mm. in their own version of, say, the pool bag incinerator to generate energy for their own homes. I suppose we think that Ireland should be able to deal with its own waste and we should be able to benefit from the energy generation that would come from that through so, incineration. So that we would but incinerate we, the waste, yeah. Well, I think if, if we have a waste that, that could be used as an energy product, that, that would be a useful thing for Ireland to do. But I mean, what we really need to do is reduce the amount of, en- of waste that we're creating in the first place so that we don't have to export and we can deal with the amount of waste that we have. But what we do have here... I think we need to benefit from it rather than sending it to somebody else's economy to, mm. to benefit from. So, okay. Well, the the big thing is is that we should have less waste anyway, isn't it? Uh, That's I, I, exactly it. <clears throat> excuse me. Let's talk about uh, big business, especially construction. Uh, there's an awful lot of waste there uh, that doesn't need to be wasted. Exactly. It's grown significantly. And I know with our new, you know, we ha- we need new housing, we need new roads. Um, we need to make sure that we're designing this um designing these things properly there's guidelines that we have that you know you design the the buildings and stuff so that they can be taken apart and reused properly because we've seen a 10 percent increase in construction and demolition waste in the past year um, and we think that this can be designed out um, through proper planning and engagement with the, the guidelines that we've produced there's also soil and stone is a big part of that and soil and stone can can be dealt with better um, by planning site development better, so that um, you know we can use things like byproducts decisions to not have to treat it as a waste. So, 
I think in general, we all need to think about designing before the waste is created to think about how best it can be dealt with rather than sort of wait until it's, it's actually already generated, you know. Mm. Or, or, or not to buy it. Um, I mean, Well, that's exactly it. I mean, yeah. do you actually need, and I think coming up to Christmas, you know, there's things we can, we can all probably do, you know, switch to buying vouchers for experiences rather than more stuff. Do we need to buy stuff? Mm. Can we possibly maybe give someone a voucher for babysitting or something <laughs> you know to, just okay. to kind of reduce the amount of stuff that we have to try and get rid of at the end of the, the, you know, the Christmas season mm. Is it possible for families uh, to recycle successfully uh, it can be very complicated and things can get, get mixed up in the house. There's a really good website called mywaste.ie that the waste industry and local authorities have worked together so you put in whatever thing you want to recycle and it'll tell you which bin to put it in if it could be recycled, it'll go in you know, your recycling green bin. Or if it's not recyclable in your bins, then you can bring it to a civic community site. So whatever the waste is that you think you want to get rid of, put it into mywaste.ie and you'll find the proper way to deal with it. Okay, very good. Uh, there's a lot for us to do. Uh, and uh, indeed, uh, we'd encourage everybody uh, to think about that. Uh, otherwise, we'll have failed in reaching those targets by 2025. And that's going to cost us. Celine Horner, thank you for joining us. Celine is Senior Scientific Officer with the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency. Michael Reed on LMFM. Just a, a couple of uh, comments. Uh, thanks to Maureen asking if you can put plastic bottles uh, in your blue bin. Can you not do that? She says. Uh, I, I think you can. Yes, uh, and I say I think you can because I, I take it your blue bin is your recycling bin, uh, the same bin that you put cardboard and uh, paper into. Uh, some people have different colour bins. I mentioned putting your bottles into your green bin. Uh, pity that I didn't uh, stay colour coordinated to make those conversations uh, a little bit more simplistic. But yes, I, I would imagine the answer uh, to your question is yes, you can certainly recycle them and they can go into your recycling bin regardless of what colour it is. Maureen, uh, John Conlon in Ballymckenny uh, asked if crisp bags can go into the green bin or the black bin. He says, I always told they can't be recycled. Well, now, John, that's a, an interesting question. You heard Celine talk about uh, the website mywaste.ie she said if you weren't sure John you should look to see if you can recycle it and John we've looked for you Uh, the item is categorised as soft plastic this is your crisp bag and it can be placed in your recycled bin but they say plastic items placed in the recycling bin need to be clean, dry and loose that means there should be no food or liquids left on or in those plastic items and you should place all of them loosely in the bin not inside plastic bags or stuffed into other materials like boxes but if you're unable to ensure this then you put it into your general waste bin Hope that answers your questions. A very comprehensive answer for your question, John. And it comes from that website, mywaste.ie. And other listeners can check that if they're unsure about what can and cannot be recycled. Time now, though, as is usual, around this time on a Tuesday for our weekly visit to the Garda Crime Desk. As always, there's a number of incidents which Garda are investigating locally. Perhaps you can assist with those investigations. Garda Laura Martin joins us for this week's report from Dundalk Garda Station. And we're going to begin with a number of frauds that have been of concern to the Guardian. And I take it a word of warning for our listeners as well. Yeah, good morning, Michael. Guardian wish to give people a friendly reminder to never give out their banking details over the phone. 
this has become a serious problem with lots of people being victims of fraud. Another issue is people clicking on links and money being taken from their bank account. If it seems too good to be true, it probably is, Michael. So please be mindful, especially coming up to Christmas, and don't be a victim of fraud and be mindful that it could be a potential scam. Okay, the most wonderful time of the year, but Christmas can bring tragedy with it. And again, you're asking people to be careful over the festive season, especially motorists. Yes, Michael Garrity would also like to remind people that whilst out over the Christmas season to have taxis or lifts home arranged and please never ever drink or drug drive just to ensure that you get home safe and sound to your families. Okay, as always, there's some burglaries uh, in uh, this week's uh, report and we're going to hear about one that happened on Friday in Laytown. Yeah, Gardaí and Laytown are investigating a burglary which occurred between 14.30 hours and 19.30 hours on the 24th of November this year. This occurred at Mountain View in Stamullen, County Mead. If anyone has any information, dash cam footage or CCTV, please contact Laytown Gardaí on 041-9813320 or the Garda Confidential Line on 1-800-666-111. Next to Dundalk, where there was a, another burglary, it resulted in a vehicle being stolen. And this happened sometime between Friday afternoon and Sunday lunchtime. Yeah, Gardaí and Dundalk are investigating a burglary and an unauthorised taking of a vehicle in the Dundalk area. A silver Kia Picanto 05 LH registration was taken from outside the property. This was near the bingo hall or the old bowling alley on the racecourse road in Dundalk. If anyone saw anything suspicious around the area between 1,500 hours on Friday the 17th of November or, I'm sorry, between 1330 hours on Sunday the 19th of November, it should be noted that this vehicle was not drivable. So if anybody observed a tow truck or low loader acting suspiciously or even if they observed the silver Kia Picanto itself, um, would be great. Any information, please contact Dundalk Garda Station on 042-938-8400 or once again, the confidential line on 1-800-666-111. OK, there's a, a few events you want to highlight. Yes, Michael. Tickets are still available for the Ungarda Siakana Senior Citizens Party. This is being held at Clan McGill's on Thursday the 7th of December at 7pm. If anybody would like to get tickets, they can contact Dundalk Garda Station on 042-938-8400. OK, and you had a, a very successful event in Dundalk last week, raising a, a lot of money for Special Olympics Ireland. We did. On behalf of Ungarda Siakana Law Enforcement Torch Run, we hope to say, or we sorry, we wish to say a big thank you to the Marshes Shopping Centre and Management Team, the generous donors and Special Olympics volunteers. The Cops and Donuts event was held last Saturday in the Marshes Shopping Centre, and it was a big success. This event raised four thousand one hundred and fifty-five euro for the Special Olympics Ireland. Once again, a big thank you. Yeah, and well done. A lot of money, uh, and you're hoping to raise more money for Special Olympics Ireland, for that matter. Yeah, just a reminder, I mentioned it last week, Michael, the Polar Plunge takes place at Claherhead Beach on the 2nd of December at 2pm. You can register online or on the day, and registration is from 1pm to 1.45pm on the 2nd of December. This is also part of Angarda Siakana's commitment to the Law Enforcement Torch Run for the Special Olympics. This is a very worthwhile cause, and we are looking forward to meeting everyone who comes out and supports us as we aim to raise as much money as we can for Special Olympics athletes. Individual registration is €15, 
groups of five plus are free to register with a minimum fundraising target of €25 per person in the group. Okay. Uh, With the dark evenings, you're asking people to look out for elderly neighbours. Just a reminder to check in with your elderly, vulnerable neighbours, especially since the evenings are very dark. A good idea would also be to assist them with placing a sticker of their air code on the back of their phone, just in case they need to ring 999, Michael, and it's easy, easily accessible for them to advise the call checker of their air code. Um, and once again, Angarda Shiakana would like to thank everyone for their support with investigations. OK, thank you indeed, Garda Laura thank Martin. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, of Dundalk Garda Station. We'll return to the Garda Crime Desk in or around the same time next Tuesday. Uh, but uh, that's all the time we have for you for today. Thanks to Megan McGuire who researched. Chris Murray was in the control tower. I'm Michael, and God willing, we'll see you for our next programme tomorrow morning at 9am right here on LMFM. Good morning, bye-bye. The Michael Reed Show Podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.